Welcome to chapter 10. 10. Very good. You're in the right place. I think they're teaching chapter 9 down the hall right now. So you're in the right classroom. Last week, chapter 9, we introduced the parable of the small... Small what? City. Small city. And the small city was being fought over by two kings. Both who wanted, what was their objective, each one? Total control. 99.9%? 100%. Okay, so the small city is the body. The two kings are? The animal soul and the godly soul. And both of them want total domination. In other words, they want that all of the three garments, thought, speech, and action, should be expressive of their desires alone. Of the denizens. Hmm? The denizens, yeah. We learned that word, yeah. So we understand the nature of the conflict. Now, what we're going to do, I'm going to telegraph to you what's happening. In chapters 10, 11, and 12, we're going to talk about how this conflict plays out in three different personae. One persona is called the tzaddik, and that's the subject of this chapter, of the present chapter, chapter 10. It is the tzaddik. That we spoke about back in chapter 1. Remember back in chapter 1? We said that the Gemara says there's five categories of people. Tzadik v'toivle, tzadik v'raloi, roshe v'toivle, roshe v'raloi, ubeinini. And then we didn't really get back to explaining what this tzadik roshe beinini was all about. Now we're starting to get back to the tzadik roshe beinini discussion that we started in chapter 1. So we're going to focus today on the tzadik. To sum up this chapter, I'll say it like this. Think about the conflict that was described in chapter 9, and think about the godly soul's fantasy that we spoke about in chapter 9, its dream of total domination over the body, and if you would grant to the godly soul its dream that was described in chapter 9, the result would be a tzaddik. So we're going to speak about that a little bit more in detail. Okay, Perigyod. When the person lifts up, when he strengthens his godly soul, and wages sufficient war, so much war against the animal soul, ad until what point? that he is actually able to send out, to destroy the ra that's in the left 
ventricle. Remember we spoke about that last week. The left ventricle is the oxygenated blood. That's the life force, the survival impulse, where the animal soul has its foothold. And this person was able to actually get rid of that selfish impulse. He got rid of it. He got rid of the selfish impulse. Like it says, You should destroy the evil from your midst. Literally from your midst, from within inside of you. However, the ra, the selfishness, that's how we're translating ra in this class, as per chapter 6. Remember chapter 6, it said there's Kedusha and there's Sitra Akhra. Anything that's Kedusha, that's holy, it means it's bottle, it's surrendered to God. Anything that's other than surrendered is called the other side. So we're translating ra as selfishness, not as diabolical evil or wickedness or any of these other uh, archaic terms. We're going to say ra is selfishness. When he completely gets rid of the selfishness. However, he has not transformed it into toiv, meaning selflessness, complete altruism, complete surrender, to Hashem. In other words, what's, what's it implying here? <laughs> it's implying that there is the possibility of taking that negativity and turning it into positivity. And, and we know this from chapter 9, because if you remember the dream of the Nefesh Ho'elakis was, remember that? That it would take over and actually turn its enemies into its supporters. So it didn't go that far. The success wasn't that to that extreme, to that extent. But what did the person do? He got rid of the innate survival impulse, the selfish impulse. He got rid of it. But he didn't yet turn it into what we called last week a second Yetzir Taiv. Nikra Tzadik She'ena Gomer. He's called a Tzadik, yes, a Tzadik. Which kind of Tzadik? She'ena Gomer, meaning incomplete. Now, if you're intelligent, you could already sort of fill in the gaps here. By implication, what would be a tzaddik gomer, a complete tzaddik? He did transform the, the, the ra into toif. Okay, so here he got rid of the ra, but he didn't transform it. So he's called a tzaddik, yeah, but not a tzaddik gomer. Now, what does it mean he's a tzaddik? What it means is he finished the war. There are no bad guys anymore. The bad guys have been neutralized. They've been <coughs> kicked out of the city. So in the case, if you're going to use the parable of the small city and the two kings waging war from chapter 9, so what we're describing is somebody who, the war has been won. It's done. There's no more war. In other words, to put it in practical terms, it's not like this person has illicit urges and then he has to curb his temptation and say, no, 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 but that's not right. I shouldn't do that. I must not do that. No, he doesn't have those urges. He completely got rid of any of those urges. His impulses are only to do mitzvahs. Not only he only does mitzvahs, his only impulses, his only impulses are to do mitzvahs. In other words, he does not require any inhibition in order to be a moral person. Because he won the war to that extent. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. No, no. This is only Tzadik She'en Gomer. He's incomplete. He's an incomplete Tzadik. 
He's a tzaddik in as much as he has no more temptation. He's incomplete in as much as all he did was get rid of the selfish instinct. He didn't yet transform it. We're going to hear more about what condition it's in. For all intents and purposes, let me practically speaking, it's gone. Meaning, he doesn't have that little voice internally that says, hey, it's okay, nobody's looking, go for it, do it. He doesn't have that voice. Yeah. Then what happens to Bechira? What happens to Bechira? Well, I can give you one answer, which is he can always choose between one good and a better good. Meaning, he's not tempted to do anything that is against Shulchan Aruch, but he has Bechira to choose better ways of doing the right thing. Okay? okay? I also would have thought that what Rabbi Kalman was starting as a topic would have been the Benini. You would think this is the Benini. Well, you're going to find out. Just because we haven't Well, the Benini is chapter 12. Okay. So you'll find out in chapter 12 what the Benini is. Okay. All right. Ella, rather, okay, we said that he didn't get, he did not transform the Ra yet. Ella, but rather, The Ra is bottle and kofuf, or kofuf and bottle. It's subjugated to the Tev because of its tiny amount. In other words, imagine... I hate to say this, but I always like to use this analogy. How much uh, rat droppings do you eat? Well, you would like to think you eat zero, but that's not true. Because if you eat anything that's made in a factory, you eat rat droppings. Less than the amount that the USDA prohibits being included in your food. So whatever it is, you go Google it. The USDA permits one part per billion of rat droppings. Probably a lot bigger than that, by the way. But, yeah, it is disgusting. But uh, if you don't want to eat rat droppings, then only pick your own food and wash it really well. And don't eat, don't eat anything that's processed because factories have pests. I saw it in the Bernstein's kitchen when I was getting the torch. I literally saw a mouse jump into the big vat where they were making chopped meat. So there you go. My own I had an uncle, Uncle Mike. He worked for Edward and Don, uh, Edward Don and Company, which was a restaurant supply company. So he went in the back of all the restaurants. He was a salesman. He used to sell, like, uh, restaurant supplies. So he told me, if you don't want to eat at a particular restaurant, just go to the back. Any restaurant you've been in the back of, you'll never eat there again. Anyways, what's the point? Guys, don't get too distracted about the rat droppings. My point is that the amount of rat droppings we are eating in our Heinz ketchup, am I going to get sued? Probably, yeah. Okay. Is, is negligible. It's negligible. But it's there. So, the presence of the Yetzir Hara in this Tzaddik She'ina Gomer is negligible. What does it mean it's negligible? On a conscious level, it's not a factor in, in his life. 
Like I said, he doesn't get that voice saying, hey, let's do it, let's do it, temptation. He doesn't get that. So therefore, he doesn't have to overcome it. He doesn't have that struggle. It's so negligible as if it weren't even there. Now, you're going to say to me, what difference does it make then? If it's there or if it's for all practical purposes, it's not there. We're going to find out. Okay? Therefore, it seems to him, the operative word is seems, it seems to him, meaning his experience of it is such, that he completely got rid of it. If you would ask him, do you have any ra in your heart? He would tell you in all honesty, you know what? Thank God I don't have that problem. I don't have any ra in my heart because it hasn't, it hasn't spoken to me, it hasn't bothered me. But in truth, but in truth, let's get out the microscope. Let's examine him on a molecular level. But in truth, I mean, I'm sorry. If it had really vanished, disappeared. Kol all of the Ra, 100%. You know what would have happened? The Altareb is telling us the mechanics of Ra. If you get rid of 100% of your Ra, not 99.9%, if you get rid of 100% of your Ra, it turns into Taif. Say that again. If you completely get rid of the Ra, it turns into toif. What turns into The ra. ra. But you got rid of it, so it's not there anymore. So what's turning? So that's what it really means to completely get rid of it. There is getting rid of it for all practical purposes. For all practical purposes means it doesn't speak to you anymore. It doesn't interfere with your life anymore. It's not, at least on any conscious level, it is not a factor in your life. That's called getting rid of it for all practical purposes, but not completely. Completely getting rid of it means, you know, you could use a, you could use a, 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 a metaphor from, from, from medicine, from health, that there is staving off the growth of something that's unhealthy. And then there is that that tissue itself heals and becomes healthy. Those cells become healthy. So does that mean that you've gotten rid of it, but even if there's a trigger, that trigger... No, 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 the trigger won't even bring it up. See, <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> on, on, on a practical level, there's not only it's not going to speak to him, there are... It can't even be triggered to speak to him, but it's there. Now, it's there. Okay, what does that even mean? We haven't yet explained what it means yet. Yeah? Yeah. Mm hmm. Right. And you're never attracted to the bad kind of 
Right. And then like you're, but they're they're still always in your body, and then it just becomes, let's say, you ate your olive oils and your good things. It just transforms into making your body healthier. You're never attracted to the cake. Right. But you're using those fat cells to just make a healthier body. It's a, it, but the limitation of that analogy is that it doesn't allow us an analogy for a tzaddik gomer. Right. <laughs> The, the, okay, okay, yeah. Right. Right. Oh, okay, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, so let, let's continue. Okay, you're asking, is it dormant? Let, let's find out. Let's find out, because it's, it's definitely not bothering him. You're asking, well, maybe if it got triggered, if you'd rile it up, maybe... No, even that, not. So then what? So then what? I mean, let me eat my uh, one parts per billion of rat droppings in my ketchup in, in peace. Like, why are you making me obsess about it? Okay, so I'm going to tell you. Here's the explanation of the matter. The tzaddik gomer, the complete tzaddik, his ra turned into tov. That's why he's called tzaddik v'tovloi. Remember back in chapter 1, Meshur Rabbeinu was asking Hashem, what are these categories? Tzadik v'raloi, tzadik v'tayvloi. So, tzadik v'tayvloi means a tzadik for whom there's only toiv. And he is synonymous with the tzadik gomer. Tzadik gomer, tzadik v'tayvloi, those are synonyms. Who al yedei, how does that happen? It is through he completely removes any mode of expression. They're called the filthy garments, but any mode of expression from the Ra. The Hainu, that is to say, He is disgusted by in fact, it says, he's very disgusted by the delights of this world to delight in them, human delights, to fulfill his lusts and cravings of the body only and not for the service of Hashem. Okay, let's, let's unpack that statement. It is repugnant to the Tzadik Gomor not only to do evil, to do sins, of course that's repugnant. It is repugnant to the Tzadik Gomor even to do that which is permissible or what we call in chapter 7 klipas noiga spiritually neutral stuff but to do it only for its own sake for the sake of the immediate enjoyment. He cannot stand that. It is repugnant to him. Not only he wouldn't do it not only he's not attracted to it, he's disgusted by it. The Tzaddik Gomer is disgusted by the idea of mindless, selfish pleasure. Not only he's not attracted to it, I'll repeat again, he's disgusted by it. So what's the implication here? The Tzaddik She'enoi Gomer, the incomplete Tzaddik, he wouldn't do it but he's not disgusted by it. Mm -hmm. It's not a turn-off to him. 
He's not into it. But it's not repugnant to him. And I want to make sure everyone understands right now because I think we've all been exposed to sanctimonious religiosity at times. And whenever we hear about people who are repulsed by evil, we think of people who are repulsed by other people's evil. Now, actually, I'm talking about someone who's, who's extremely tolerant of other people's evil because <laughs> he's not jealous of it. He's not jealous of it. You know the people who get really angry at you for enjoying that which is forbidden? The people who wish they could enjoy it, but their guilt doesn't allow them to. Okay? So those are always the, the zealots. The tzaddik has no desire for these things. Forget about sins. He doesn't, even, he doesn't even desire just neutral stuff for, for, for the sake of immediate physical gratification. It's, it's not on his radar. The, different, wait, wait, the difference is that Tzaddik Gomor, it, it, it makes him nauseous. Not that he's going to tell you, oh, you're so sick, you're so gross, why are you eating cake? No, for him... The cake is disgusting. Unless that is the only calories available for him to be able to go daven right now, it's disgusting to the idea you would just eat cake for the sake of eating cake. The tzaddik she'enoi gamor, the incomplete tzaddik, he would never think to himself, oh, I'm going to go eat some cake. But it's not repugnant to him. The idea is not repugnant to him. Go ahead. He's not disgusted by you. Not by, by that idea that something that he's not doing is worse than somebody that's like, I'm not doing that. You could do what you want, but I'm not doing that. Let me ask you a question. Do you not throw your mother down the stairs because it's immoral or be also because it's repugnant to you? Um, well, yes, Most I... people, if you would ask them, the idea of throwing your mother down the stairs, okay, it's immoral, we'll all agree to that. Is it also repugnant? Does it shock you? Does it upset you? Does the thought of it even disturb you? And you say, yes! Okay. <laughs> yes! So, here's what I'm telling you. To a tzaddik gomer, the idea of eating a piece of cake just because it's a good piece of cake is shocking and disturbing. Trust me, he's not going out bothering anyone else about their cake. He's not. The only one who will bother you about the cake is the one who's angry that they're on a diet and wishes they could eat it. He's not bothering anybody, I promise you. He personally finds it repugnant. So here's what we're saying. Listen to this. This is such a, a subtle distinction. Both levels of tzaddik have no temptation. Not even if it's triggered or riled up. You can't, there's, there's nothing there. There's nothing there to, 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 to arouse or to rile up. But on a subtle, subtle, subtle level, 
because there are trace amounts, microscopic amounts of Ra left in the Tzadik Shein Gomer. How will that express itself? Not actively as temptation. God forbid, that won't happen to him. He's a tzaddik. But as the lack of disgust for indulging mindlessly, selfishly in pleasure. Okay. This is all a continuum, right? It's not like... Yes, it's a continuum. Yes, there are so many different... Yes, yes, it's a big spectrum. Yes, yes. Okay. But where's the cutoff between Tzadik Gomer and Tzadik Shein Gomer? This is the cutoff. Within a Tzadik Shein Gomer, yeah, there are shades, obviously. 99.99998% bottle, 99.99999% bottle. I mean, they're all, for all practical purposes, devoid of any Ra. Yeah? Yeah? He didn't say he's not aware of it. He didn't say he's not aware of it. Of course he's aware of it. He knows that it exists. Just like he knows that sinfulness exists. And it would, it would disgust him to think of sinning. So, too, it would disgust him to think of filling bodily pleasures for no higher purpose. <laughs> it's not coming from him. It's not like he's sitting and he's fantasizing about it saying, Oh, yuck! I'm revolted by my own fantasies. By the way, that could very well happen. We're gonna, <laughs> don't let me get ahead of myself, but a Bainani could be revolted by his own fantasies. Mm-hmm. Atzadik Gummer is not having fantasies. He's living in this world, and in this world he's presented with with, with realities, and he sees it, and he's like, not for me, thank you. But you see my question. My question is... Yeah, I... I, I but the, the taste amounts yeah. that are left in the study for Yeah. Right? Yes, you said it right. Um, is... Um, <clears throat> that's, what leaves, that's what leaves the remnants of the disgust. That's what promotes the, the disgust. The lack of disgust. The lack of disgust. Right. In the Tzadik Veralo, yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's noticeable. Right. The Tzadik Amor doesn't even have any evil in him. He doesn't even see... Correct. We've seen that. We've seen it. Like, they don't even feel... Right, yes. So again, again, I'm telling you, He's not an activist against these things. That's, it's not his obsession. But if you were to offer it to him, it would not be enticing, and to the contrary, it would repulse him. Trust me when I say, though, Atzadik Gamor is not an activist to go root out people's cake eating. It's not, on, it's not something he's focused on, and uh, I think what I'm saying is I, I think a lot of times we're, we're, we're thinking of these 
See, this is precisely why I made the statement that I did 10 minutes ago. And I said, please realize we've all been traumatized. I don't know if I use the word traumatized, but we've all been exposed to sanctimonious religiosity. This tzaddik is not sanctimonious in one in, 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 in one in any way shape or form he is completely sincere so i think the problem is that when we hear someone's disgusted by ra and that's why i mentioned this because i knew that this would trigger us all and that we would start thinking about people who are activists against evil and i'm i'm telling you the people who obsess about evil are the ones who are most deeply conflicted internally that tzaddik is not deeply conflicted, he's not at all conflicted. He's not at all conflicted. But if you would offer him something that's pleasure for its own sake, his gut reaction is ew. That's the tzaddik gummer. Tzaddik gummer, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Tzaddik she'en a gummer? Right. He'd be like, I'll pass. So it's that subtle difference. So what's okay, so, uh, so, okay, let's continue. You're saying, all right, so it's a subtle difference. All right, but... What more is there to... Okay, so let's, let's continue. Let's continue, okay? All right. Let's continue. Okay. So he explains a little bit more why the indulgence in permissible matters turns him off. Because these things are from Klippa Vesitra Achra, like we said, the other side, not express, expressly for the intent of serving God, so he's not into it. The anything that's from the other side that's not for serving God, the complete tzaddik despises it with utter hatred. Complete hatred. Why? Now here's the important point. Machmas goidel avose la Hashem ukedushose ba'averabe betaynugim vechiba yeseda niskarim la'el. Because of his great love for Hashem and Hashem's holiness, with an with a great abundant love, a blissful love, and with abundant affection. And here he explains, because one is directly, or I should actually say, one is inverse, inversely proportionate to the other. The disgust in that which is not Hashem, or not for the service of Hashem, is inversely proportionate to the degree of intensity of love for the service of Hashem. So you're going to ask me, what difference does it make whether or not the Tzaddik Gomer is that turned off? I mean, the Tzaddik She'enoi Gomer is that turned off by Ra? You're right. If that alone was the only discussion, I don't think it makes such a big difference. But it's indicative of something. That since his disgust for mindless, selfish pleasure is not complete... So inversely, what does it indicate? That his ability to have blissful pleasure in his love of God is also not complete. Now, <laughs> let me just reframe this. 
we're talking about tzaddikim. They're all tzaddikim, and they all love Hashem, and they all get incredible pleasure from Hashem. We're talking about now degrees of blissful pleasure in your love of Hashem. So the tzaddik Shein Gomer is not capable of having that total degree of blissful pleasure in his love of Hashem. Which, one second, let's just finish right here. Kidechsev. Like it says, David says, with consummate hatred, I hate them, they are enemies to me, search me and know my heart. In other words, he's speaking as a tzaddik gomor, come check out on a microscopic level, on a molecular level, is there any ra left in my heart? No. Because if there were even tiny particles of Ra, which for all practical purposes do not tempt me or bother me or register on any conscious level, but it would limit the degree of my disgust for Ra, and inversely, it would be an indication of somewhat of a lack of pleasure in my love of Hashem. Ukfi erech geidel ho'aval Hashem, he spells it out, proportionate to the degree of love for Hashem, kach, so will be, erech geidel hasina, l'sitra achva, mias berabatachlis, that will be proportionate, or inversely proportionate, to the degree of hatred for the sitra achra, and disgust for ra. Ki amios, here's a, an interesting klal, an interesting emotional rule or axiom, in the world of the Alter Rebbe. And I think this runs counter to some wisdom that I've heard people um, spout. spout. Yeah, I don't want to say spout because it sounds dismissive and I don't want to dismiss it just because it's not what the Alter Rebbe says. But yeah, you hear this a lot. People, what do people say? The opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference, right? Which, I get that, but that's kind of the root of some, well, can be the root of justifying some sick behaviors, right? I only treat you this way because I care, right? Yeah. Right, the, yeah, if I ignored you, then you should start worrying. But if I hate you, well, that means I care, right? Okay, uh, it's a little bit sick, not a little bit. A lot. So, and I'm not saying everyone goes around saying the opposite of hatred is indifference is, is sick. I'm just saying, eh, if you play it out, <laughs> it can lead to some sick stuff. But listen to what the Alter Rebbe says. He says, Ki amiyoshu mamish Disgust, like hatred, is the opposite of love. He, the Alter Rebbe says hate is the opposite of love. And he says hate and disgust are pretty much synonymous in this regard, that they're opposite of love. So therefore, what's the formula? The more disgust the Tzadik Gomer has in mindless, selfish pleasure for its own sake, that is indicative of the more complete love that he has for Hashem. Do those people exist? Do those what difference will it make to our understanding of this subject? Like, is it even attainable? Is it attainable? 
So my answer to you is, I'm not, no, I'm not, I don't know. I, maybe you're already a Tzadik Gummer. I'm not going to, I cannot make those judgments. My answer to you is, even though I'm giving away, is a little bit of a spoiler. The point of this book is not to pursue that level. Now, what level is the book about pursuing? You have to hang in there with me. But it's not to pursue this. We're learning about it, but it's not a goal. You said it's for the regular person. The Tanya is for the regular person. This is not regular person stuff. Okay. Hence, you even just asked, did these people exist? Okay. Yeah. If, if a person had a love of his post, a silver post that he uses for, and would that be, would that be like, um, so, let me tell you something. You know what idolatry is? Yeah. Idolatry is giving credence or importance to anything but God. Now, how does something become unidolatrous? If you use it for the sake of serving God. So, anything that can be included in serving Hashem is good. So it's all the question of, not the what, but the why. Like we learned in chapter 7, Klippas Noiga can go either way. It's not the what, it's the why. So the Tzaddik's why, Tzaddik Gomer and Tzaddik Shana Gomer, their why is always going to be, if you're going to ask the Tzaddik, why do you just do that? You know what the answer is always going to be? You know why? I did it for Hashem. Okay. That's his only motivation. The only difference between Tzadik Gummer and Tzadik Shana Gummer is if you would ask, why didn't you just eat the cake for the heck of it? The Tzadik Shana Gummer would say, because I'm not into that kind of stuff. And the Tzadik Gummer, I don't know if he would tell you, but he'd be like, because it makes me queasy. Because it's like throwing my mother down the stairs. It's just repugnant. It's rep- no, no, not because it's bad for the body that Hashem gave. So let it be a piece of fruit. The, it's not because it's not healthy. It's because there's no purpose for it other than the act itself. And that kind of hollow, meaningless activity is repugnant to a tzaddik gomer. Because it's pure pleasure. It's pure pleasure. It has no purpose. It has no purpose. Now, if you'll tell me that I ate the cake only because it's Shabbos, and I don't even like cake, but... They tell me that you should eat cake on Shabbos, and I just did it for Shabbos, and he really did, not like the people who claim that they did it for that reason, right? That could be a tzaddik gomer, right? But he'll never do anything for any other reason other than a mitzvah. Or to make a bracha. Or to make a bracha. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it has to have that motivation. It's not that motivation. It's repugnant to him. Not just it has no attraction. It has the opposite of attraction. Is it's there repugnant. A tzaddik pain on me? <laughs> You're gonna. F- let's find out what a benini. Let's find out what a benini is. Okay. Let's find out what a benini is in chapter twelve. Okay. Let's continue. Okay. 
So we said, uh, I'm sorry, let's back up. The incomplete Tzadik, who, he does not hate Sitra Achra with complete hatred, therefore, he does, so therefore he doesn't, he's not disgusted by it, ultimately, completely. The kol she'enas, here's another klal. The kol she'enas, anyone in whom the hatred and the disgust is not complete. Al kocho, you must logically conclude, nishar eiz, shemitz, ava v'tainu glisham, he has some tiny, microscopic trace of love for it. He has not completely divested himself of those filthy garments. Therefore, it hasn't been transformed into toiv. Because there still is some connection to what we call the filthy garments. Except that it is so bottled, it is so nullified, the degree is so uh, negligible that for all practical purposes, it's as if it's not there. That's why it's called a tzaddik who has ra to him. There's ra, it's kofufu bottle. It's subjugated to the point of being practically negligible. But if you trace how it affects him, perhaps you'll call it even on a subconscious level, it diminishes the degree to which he's able to delight and take pure pleasure in his relationship with Hashem. Out of guilt? No. No, no, it has nothing to do with guilt. You're, you're thinking, this is a totally different psychology. This is a tzaddik. We're not talking about guilt here. We're not talking about neurosis. We're not talking about guilt. We're talking about the fact well, let me just finish one more line here. Therefore, gam Therefore, his love for Hashem is also not complete. That's why he's called an incomplete tzaddik. Understand, a person has allegiances. They have loyalties. They have affinities. For most of us, we're not speaking about most of us right now, but just for a reference point, we flip-flop. I thought you cared about Hashem. I saw you davening. And then 10 minutes after davening, you're going to run after things that are totally not for, not for Hashem, totally selfish. Yeah, I, I flip-flop, yeah. A tzaddik doesn't flip-flop. He only has one loyalty. He only has one agenda. Serving Hashem. And that's not only the way he behaves, that's the way he feels. He has no temptation to attach himself to anything other than Hashem. Ever? Ever. 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 It's simply not there. Because his animal soul has either been neutralized to the point where it no longer disturbs him, 
and that's called a tzaddik. She'enoigamor, or his animal soul has been turned over into a second godly soul in the case of the tzaddik gomor. There's no more animal soul as we experience it. Not as we experience it. So the Sitra Akra Uh is the animal soul. Yeah, the Sitra Akra is the animal soul. Yeah, in the end of chapter 1 it told me that the animal soul is from the Sitra Akra. Yeah. Is there a Rashtamogamor? We're going to get into the different levels of Rashtamogamor. You understand these two levels of tonic? Yeah. Okay. Kind of. Kind of. Okay. Where do we fit in? Where do we fit in? Okay. So let, let me let me let me just remark that it's not a secret that the name of the safer. I mean, I think we spoke about this in the first class. It's not a secret that the name of the safer is safer shall bane in it. Now, we don't know what a Benini is yet, because we haven't learned it yet. It's in chapter 12. But we know that a Benini is a Benini, not a Tzaddik or a Russia. So this is Tzaddik. So this is not the main point of the book. I, I, what is the main point of the book? We didn't get there yet. I just want everyone to know, everything we're learning today is for reference. So don't get too hung up on the practicality of it. It's a reference point. The main point of the book has to be what we can relate to. The main point of the book has to be what we can relate to. That is implied on the title page, both by the title, Sefer Shel Bainanim, as well as the verse, This matter is very near to you. So we know that it's something attainable. This, chapter 10, Tzadik Veraloi, Tzadik Vetoivloi, Tzadik Gomer, Tzadik Shein Gomer, this is not meant to be attainable. He's not telling you to go out and do this. This is informative. This is information. You should know what a Tzadik is. That is an excellent question. Are you born a Tzadik? Well... I don't want to give away anything that we haven't learned yet, but do you remember in chapter 1, one of our questions was, what does it mean in the Gemara in Bava Basra when Eov told Hashem, you created Tzadikim and you created Rishayim. And we asked a question based on another Gemara that when a person is born, it's predetermined whether he'll be strong or weak or rich or poor, or wise or foolish, but it doesn't say whether he'll be good or bad, a Tzadik or a Russia. That's left up to the person's free choice. So how in the world do we reconcile those two Gemaras? So the answer to the question is... There is, <laughs> there is someone who is born with the ability to be a tzaddik, and then there's the rest of us who we were not born with that potential, and that is not our goal, and therefore failure to achieve that is not in any way, shape, or form a, 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 a failure in our life's mission, because that's not what we were born to try to achieve. 
So, barasa tzaddikim. Hashem, you created certain people with the potential to be tzaddikim. For them not to be tzaddikim, it's an utter failure because that's what that, that, they were on the tzaddik track. So, if, to not achieve that would, not to, would be not achieving their life's purpose. For the rest of us, no, we're not created to be tzaddikim. So it's not a failure not to become one. And it would be arrogant. And, yes, thank you, it would be arrogant. And in fact, later on in chapter 27, he says that people cause themselves a lot of religious neurosis by comparing themselves to a tzaddik. And he tells you, cut that out, because it's, actually, it's not leading <laughs> to more Torah mitzvahs. It's leading to more religious guilt, which actually ends up taking away from Torah mitzvahs. Yeah. If Titania is a book of Bainu, why yeah. isn't chapter 12 not chapter 1? Don't we need to know? Oh, the classic question. If Tanya is a... So you know too much. A little bit of information is dangerous. So she says, if Tanya is a book from the Bainanim, how come chapter 12 isn't chapter 1? You didn't even learn chapter 12, but you knew. You heard me say chapter 12 is about to It's okay, because I chapter 12. Wait till chapter 12. Wait till chapter 12. Wait till chapter 12. Okay. So you want a simple answer? Yeah. Okay. We could start from chapter 12, and you wouldn't know what it's talking about. Because you wouldn't so know... So assuming you knew what chapter 1 was talking about. You do. You do know what chapter 1 is talking about. Don't pretend that you don't know. You now know there are two souls. You know that there are two souls. You know that the souls have koiches, which are meichen and midas, their intellectual perspectives and their emotional reactions. You know that there are three garments, thought, speech, and action. You know what Kedusha is. You know what Sitra Achra is. All of these, these, these vocabulary words that you now know, when I'm going to talk to you about Abedin in chapter 12, I'm going to be able to describe it with words that you're now familiar with. But if I just jumped into chapter 12 and I, and I, and I told you the definition of a Bainini using a bunch of words that didn't mean anything so you know to what you. They should, have done? they should have expanded the compilation forward and then <laughs> they should have started chapter Oh, the first 11 chapters should have been part of the Hakdama. Right. And chapter 12 should have been chapter 1? Yeah. Someone should tell the Alter Rebbe. Yeah, this is just going to be the last. Please ask Yeah. Does the animals, does the body soul, it has emotions? Yeah. It does have emotions? Of course it does. We learned that in chapter 3. Okay, so it has. It of course has, it has emotions. All those emotions are good. All those emotions are good. So it's love is the love of God. It's awe is the awe of God. Yeah. And all of its intellectual faculties are all geared toward God. So its, its wisdom is the wisdom of God. And its understanding is understanding of God. And its knowledge is the knowledge of God. Yeah. Yes, completely surrendered, completely single-mindedly focused. Yes. Yes. Okay, fine. So we're in a, we, can, we can stop here for today. Any burning questions? No. no, no, no. Not warm questions, burning questions. Okay, there's no burning questions. We're going to stop, and Amit Hashem will continue next week. We're still in the middle of chapter 10. We'll con- God willing, with God's oh, help, we'll finish. We're in the middle of chapter 10. We did not finish chapter 10. Okay. Chapter 12 will be in a few weeks. Yeah, God willing. Okay.